Is that true about PwC, Deloitte, Ernst & Young going into these bigger companies and talking about if you want to be more successful, push the risk down the chain? You wanted to talk about the word respect in construction. And I think I'm putting words in your mouth here. That would also be quite a good magic wand to wave in construction if there was an elevated level of respect between all parties. But why did you want to talk about the word respect? How do you prepare for a meeting that I've just described, which you know is going to be pretty savage? Really quick, before we get started, if you're a return listener, can you please leave a rating? If you're on Spotify or iTunes, you can leave star ratings and subscribe. It makes a huge difference to the growth of the podcast, and it, it means that we can impact more construction companies to allow them to make more profit and stay in business over long term, and that's all we want to do. So please uh, leave a rating and subscribe, and now let's get on with the show. Hey, Construction Legends. So I was interviewed by Paul Hemming on the Own the Build podcast a couple of weeks ago. This is our third time. The last two absolutely kicked off, so we wanted to have a trilogy. In this episode, it's a two-part episode. Part one, we're going to talk about what PwC Accenture and McKinsey did to the construction industry 15 years ago that changed everything. If we had a magic wand to fix the construction industry, what would it be? Respect or actually lack of respect. And actually, Paul tells a great story about probably the most ignorant PM he's ever come across. It's a great one. Enjoy. On to today's show. In the studio today, we are joined for the hat trick by Kean Brennan, who is Managing Director at Quantum Contract Solutions, a company giving contractual superpowers to construction companies. Kean was on the show for episode 115 and 129. And if you haven't listened to them, get back to them. They were absolutely amazing. So good was the feedback that, like I say, Kean is here for his hat trick of own the build shows. Welcome back, mate. How's it going? Very, very good. And also just listening to your your, your free resource that you're giving, that's that's super interesting. I, I would actually, and I think I will, have a, have a read of that myself. Adjudication, adjudicators, all of that stuff is a, can be a complex world. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And uh, I was always on the other side of things, right? Where you'd see, you'd be the subby and you'd think, huh, they've missed the payment notice, right? So I knew kind of how I would act in, in that situation. I wouldn't have been quite that smug, but I might have been semi-smug here. But I was interested to know, as a main contractor, what you would do in that circumstance, how best to manage the situation. So yeah, really, really interesting. And the adjudicator, as you'd expect, brought some interesting insight. Before we jump into the show today, Kian, just remind our listeners and inform our new listeners who you are, your experience in construction, and what you're doing today. Okay, so considering we've, we've been on twice, I'll go cliff notes. And so very high level, I was a client side my whole career. So my specialty and ultimately uh, worked for large oil and gas companies on construction <coughs> projects and then went to a consultancy where it was my job to show them how to save money contractually. And so over time, I saw construction companies going out of business ultimately because they didn't understand how to navigate the insides of these bigger companies, main contractors, general contractors, the owners, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we started a business called Quantum Contract Solutions to help subcontractors and contractors, basically people down the contractual chain to manage the insides of these larger companies to get paid to make sure that they negotiate their risks down because uh, negotiate a risk down the 
first instance and in the post-award phase, make sure that they're contractually compliant, help them with that exact issue where I might be rubbing my hands together what you said there with they, with they missed their dates, <laughs> helping them with all of that stuff. Because ultimately what happens in construction is as you go down the contractual chain, the contracts get more and more hostile because at some stage PwC, EY came into these companies and said, strategy wise, you need to push the risk down. And so ultimately yeah. what happens is down the line, you've got the worst contract in the whole chain. And more often than not, you don't have an in-house team of lawyers, contracts, people to be able to negotiate, to be able to handle it. But the biggest onus is on you. And so ultimately, if you don't negotiate or if you don't know how to play the game, I mean, if you've ever played somebody in a board game and they don't know how to play, you you wipe them, right? So yeah. if you don't know how to play, oftentimes you lose money, you go out of business and that's the, the vision for quantum is to help those contractors, you know, the, that industry come from its knees onto its feet to be able to push back, to stop being bullied contractually, and mm. ultimately stay in business over the long term. And a fantastic job you are doing. We've talked already. Like I said, go back and listen to episode 115 and 129 because you can see from the war stories and the things we talk about in those shows just how much knowledge you've got and just how you are allowing these contractors to get up onto their feet, as you say. One thing that you mentioned there, which I've never heard before, so interested just to ask you, is that true about PwC, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, going into these bigger companies and talking about if you want to be more successful, push the risk down the chain? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it mightn't be a PwC. It might be a... Yeah. Well, it might be a cost a contracts version of that company. I won't I won't yeah, mention yeah. names because it would have been my old company, right? But <laughs> absolutely, that that is the case. And even if you just look at the market right now, right? So, um, someone asked me previously, what would you do if you know you had a magic wand? And my magic wand to get rid of most issues was to have standard contracts. However, for them to be mandatory, that you have to use the standard contracts. But you can see on everything, if you have a standard contract, they're all amended. They're all amended to suit the person up the chain. And mm. there is a reason for that. And candidly, if you were in their position, you would do the same thing. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. So you, what you're saying is your magic one would be that every single construction contract is standard form unamended. Unamended. You have to use them. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't benefit the owner and it doesn't benefit the main contractor, but it's fair the whole way through. It is it is fair. They're all fair, but yeah, it's yeah. not to their benefit. So do I ever think that's actually going to happen? I mean, money talks at the end of the day, so probably not. Yeah, no, but I, th I get asked all the time, would you sign a JCT standard contract? I say, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Just sign it. But there's still, you know, even hesitation around that. I think it comes from the fact that not everyone understands them. There's so many different standard forms and the fact that they're amended and obliterated 95 times out of 100, right? So there's all of those but things. But I, I, go for it, go for it. I think that is a really simple uh, magic one, to be honest with you. And I always say to everyone, yeah, if you get a standard form unamended, sign it one thing that i wanted to talk to you about today and perhaps this is a neat segue into it kian is mm -hmm. you know you wanted to talk about the word respect in construction and i think i'm putting words in your mouth here that would also be quite a good magic wand to wave in construction if there was an elevated level of respect between all parties but why did you want to talk about the word respect it's so important because people want most subcontractors or people down the chain want to appear easy to deal with mm. and by doing that you end up getting steamrolled people take advantage of you left right and center and so in an effort to be great to deal with you know they're these guys are not contractual. What ends up happening is you get bullied, you get pushed around because yeah. they think, so for example, let's just say you wanted to get a variation or an EOT approved. 
Okay, you've been delayed. And <clears throat> they routinely take forever to do it, to approve it. And you just let it happen. You let it happen. You letting it happen doesn't make them think that you're great, right? It basically goes, oh, well, we'll do this every time now. Because it's, it's in their best interest. It's like giving them an Amex Platinum credit card, where the longer that they can push it out, the more cash flow they have. They are stealing mm. your cash flow. You are financing it for them. Yeah. If you take the other side of it and you're like, hey, you know, why aren't you approving this? You're supposed to be approving it in, in this amount of time. And you're a bit of a squeaky wheel done in a nice way. They respect you in that. The next time it happens, they're like, oh, I better, I better pay these guys because, or I better approve this quickly because they're going to be on my case. And so are. people have the impression that if I do that, they're, they're going to think I'm difficult to deal with. But the reality is they actually respect you for it. And so looking to be respected is important. So that's one thing. The other part of the industry that I really hate is sometimes it's not so much on their side as a company they don't respect you. It, it might just be their PM. And he'll come out and he'll say wild, excuse my friends, wild shit to you about <laughs> get you cut off the job and I'll move you off the job. That sort of stuff is the stuff that I really don't like. They kind of make a subcontractor feel like you're a diamond dozen. We can replace you at a moment's notice. And the thing is, they can't, right? Contractually, yeah. they can't. And also, from a market point of view, in, yeah. commercially, they, they can't do it either. And so when people are speaking to you like that, it's like being bullied in the playground, right? If you let that happen, you don't stand up for yourself. Obviously, you don't get angry and there's loads of different things we talk about or tactics around that. But if you don't go head to head with them they won't respect it. but if you do on this project they will go okay these guys are contractually commercially savvy they're good and then on the next project they're like look those guys knew what they were doing and we need someone who knows what they're doing that's respect and that's the difference between being easy to deal with and being respected yeah because it's why is it that i mean you work with a lot of subcontractors i am a former subcontractor so maybe i should be able to answer this question but why is it you think there is a something inside which makes contractors think i'd like to feel that I am considered easy to deal with. What is it that makes them feel like that? Well, it's probably because they want more work, right? They want to be like thought of as, uh, you know, if I'm easy to deal with, they're going to want to deal with me again in the future. Mm. And so it's an effort to maintain the relationship. We can talk about relationships in a bit of it. It's about having a good relationship with these guys, working things out. And then over time, we have this relationship where they give us more and more work. That's that's what they want. But Was what you're question? saying, yeah, that is, that is absolutely the question. That's obviously what they want. But what is it? that so if i'm not going to be that i'm going to be this more abrasive or harder person to work with am i going to struggle to get work in the future real quick and we'll get back to the show if you don't have time or you don't necessarily have the expertise to review and negotiate your own construction contracts please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com book in a call with our team and we'll show you exactly how we can help you sign better contracts that have way less downside risk and set yourself up to make more profit on that project and ultimately keep you in business over the long term it's what all the smart construction companies do so go to quantumcontractsolutions.com now let's go back to the show no absolutely not because we've got ultimately if you're making a better margin and you have better cash flow right that's all we're talking about here so really when we're talking about these contracts saying we want to get your variations changers eo2s approved quickly because when the thing happens to when you get paid really affects your cash flow and so if mm -hmm. you're a type of company that has good cash flow has good margins what's the outcome of that over a longer period of time you're producing a better service you're hiring <laughs> better people and ultimately your reputation increases in the market over time if the opposite occurs
offers and you're getting hit and your cash flow is terrible, you can't do a good job because you've no cash flow. You can't pay people. You can't buy new equipment. It's it's difficult. Your margin's not high enough. Sometimes, you know, I've I've heard margins be as low as 10% or even lower, right? But yeah. on some jobs, retention is almost that. And so you don't get your retention back until potentially 12 months down the line. That's not exactly if right. If you're lucky. Like half of your retention. Yeah. So you're not getting any profit for 12 months. It's like so Mad. That's no good. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that all makes sense. And actually, I wanted to talk to you about hostility in the second half of the show. But given that example that you kind of just talked about, and I think everyone listening will, it will resonate with them. You know, what that description of a PM being particularly aggressive or whatever. Right? We've talked about it on the show before. I guess it's quite an interesting point to dwell on. And we will all have been to meetings where you're going into them and you think, this is going to be brutal. This is that there are people in this meeting and there are emotions and numbers in this meeting, which mean I know this is going to be brutal. I'm not necessarily particularly looking forward to it. Some people may be looking forward to it. I wanted to ask you because you've got tactics and a framework for hostility and hostile meetings. How do you prepare for a meeting that I've just described, which you know is going to be pretty savage? So some people go into it like it's a battle, right? And it's I'm going to battle over this thing and it's a fight basically that's not what we want to do okay okay why what we want to do because it, you will get you nowhere what typically happens in in those sort of discussions is we'll come into a meeting right and let's just say there's 500k on the line 500k mm. is on the line what invariably happens we'll spend we have an hour meeting we'll spend 45 minutes arguing over a tiny bit of that claim for the whole <laughs> thing right and that's yeah. what happens and it's just over and back and no no i don't disagree whatever and so that doesn't work you don't get to where you want to go all that happens is it delays it again you have to have another meeting and it goes Mm -hmm. on and on and on. So given that we're dealing with a PM who is that way, right? What we need to do is two as two things. One is he needs to be talked out. You need to let him talk, make him feel that you have heard him and still give him the power to make a decision. And we're going to talk about how we can use those things to, okay. to your benefit, right? So the strategy that we like to use is firstly, you want to go in and you want him to talk, him or her to talk. You go, right, can you just give us your point of view on this? Please just go everything. And as he's going through everything, there is going to be absolutely tons of stuff that you disagree with and that's okay don't interrupt him at all remain silent remain silent right and not and only cordial that, right? Take... and charming <laughs> Lovely, right? So let let <laughs> let him let him talk, and as he's talking, take notes as what he's saying. When he's finished speaking, repeat back. So what you're saying is X, Y, and Z, right? Okay. So now he's he's in a position where you've listened to him. He feels heard. He's talked. The reason we don't want to interrupt him is because when it's your turn to talking, your turn to do the talking, we want to mm -hmm. be able to say, "Sorry, sorry, sorry. I let you speak. Would you give me the courtesy of letting me speak?" Okay? Because we want to mm -hmm. cut him off. We don't want him nitpicking little things that you say, which ends up in yeah. that. 45 minute conversation about a tiny little thing that doesn't actually matter okay that's Correct. what we want to avoid so let him talk then we follow what's called the grow model right so grow stands for goal reality options and way forward okay mm -hmm. so the first thing is the goal you say hey look the goal for me is whatever the goal is the goal for me is to come out of this meeting with a resolution where we're all you know on good working terms and that's what i want to do okay or is the reality that's the bones of your argument okay so yeah. here's the reality for us you right blah 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 fact 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 no emotion no emotion fact 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 okay you give them all the facts from your point of view then we go to o which is options <clears throat> and then we give them three options 
okay the three options typically will be right option one right we can all fall out over this and we can go to the adjudication or we can go to court and it can just get mm. blown messy right bad option we give them an option whatever is reasonable to you right we want to keep this high level we're talking about that 500 grand you're probably not going to get all of your 500 grand back and then you say <laughs> option two we come to an agreement look we we're happy to do this put this amount of you know take this bit of an, a trim or a haircut or whatever it is and then you give a third option whatever it happens to be yeah. and then you ask him w for way forward how would you like what to do proceed? you want to do yeah what yeah you, I, do? I, you know i absolutely uh love that you know i've don't i've never heard it framed as a grow strategy or framework before but both the g and the o are things that i try and take into almost every meeting even internal meetings right like what am i doing in this meeting what mm -hmm. is the actual point of me even turning up here so that I know that there's something I'm trying to get out of it. Otherwise, if there is no point in me being there, you shouldn't be in it, right? But then also the options thing, right? And so many things, and it doesn't even apply necessarily just to, you know, final account, commercial negotiations in, in construction contract, all through your business, right? There's so many different inflection points or difficult points. We're having these difficult conversations. And if you can say, look, we've got option one, two or three, what do you want? You're creating that, you're creating like a visual view on what the end goal could be you're creating op options and you're giving autonomy almost to whoever it is in the room to be able to get to that decision so that makes total sense and it's funny you know you asked me before we started recording about war stories from my working life and one of them as you were talking there kind of springs to mind right where we were working on a pretty significant project in central London. We were curtain warning contractor. I got brought into the job about 85% of the way through it. And it what the, the project teams genuinely <laughs> hated one another. Like they just couldn't get in a room with one another. And I was brought in as uh, to try and just get this job to a point where, look, calm down, <laughs> we'll agree it. And I did, I went to one, they were the kind of people, this, this contractor who would never meet you. And if they would meet you, they would meet you late on a Thursday or late on a Friday, like classic. We'll make you as miserable as possible. And we went to a project. And the other thing about this QS on this job, just to wind you up, he would... He would just turn up. You'd go to their office, and he wouldn't be wearing any shoes. He'd turn up in his sock. He was like the weirdest, the weirdest, weirdest. Like just playing mind, like just such an odd bloke. And anyway, we would, I remember being in this meeting. It was one of those meetings which I'm preparing for, and you think, God, it's going to be absolutely disgusting and savage in there. And we didn't follow a grow strategy or a grow framework. Quite the opposite. My PM kind of went in there, and he was an emotional, emotional Italian. And if you you'd have him and the QS who had been on this job through thick and thin for three or four years and neither of them would listen to the other one. They'd they'd be talking for two or three minutes and they'd be interjecting, cutting across each other, blah, blah, blah. And it literally ended probably at 7.30 at night on either a Thursday or Friday. At the time, I was in my 20s in London. <laughs> I had much better things to do. And it literally ended up with us breaking up the PM and the QS from literally scrapping it out. And that is the complete opposite of what you have just described as a sane <laughs> and rational way to deal with it. That is how to do it wrong. Yeah. Right? yeah. That is how to do it wrong. Wear so, shoes, I, for starters. 
yeah. Uh, do you know the, the Jordan Belfort, uh, yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street? He's got he's got a book called The Way of the Wolf, and he talks about you always want to be like he's talking about sales, and and this is not <clears throat> unlike a sales meeting. You're trying to influence the outcome ultimately, yeah. and it's about being the reasonable man. And if you can be the reasonable man in these negotiations, it's going to be so much easier for you. You're the reasonable guy. I'm I've listened to you. Come on, don't interrupt. Yeah, I agree. I, I have I completely agree. I, here are some reasonable options. Come on, let's be reasonable. Let's you know that sort of person does a lot better than yeah let's 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 just take it outside and have a fight and whoever wins gets paid <laughs> yeah indeed indeed and definitely not on a friday night come on we've got better places to be so that, i mean that's as all as always kim when we're chatting there are more than golden nuggets there are golden rocks and stones everywhere it's been great talking to you in the first half about that let's take a quick break and we'll come back in the second half and talk about liquidated damage 